Hey, it's Adam, and this is Wabi Sabi Podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Hope you enjoy it. And for anyone returning, uh, welcome back. Um, Just a quick reminder that uh, I'm doing this show by myself, and if you're feeling inspired, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, as that really helps. Uh, Another way to help the podcast is to check out the Patreon that I have running live. I just had my first two uh, patrons sign up this last week, so I'm super excited to reach, I'd say, a reasonable goal of 10 people or maybe 25. It's a great way to support the podcast directly, and there are a couple of tiers there set up with benefits um, for every membership level like artwork that I'll send on the yearly or I think on the quarterly based on how much you um, donate. So anyway, check that out at patreon.com forward slash Wabi Sabi podcast. I also have an Instagram handle at at Wabi Sabi podcast and then there's an underscore. There's also a Facebook page if you'd like to follow that as well at facebook.com forward slash wabi sabi podcast and one last plug just wanted to give a big shout out to my official tea sponsor white2t um i've been personally a huge fan of white2t for the, the last four plus years um he's pretty much my exclusive online tea purchasing And, um, this is episode number 10 and every episode, um, without realizing it, I featured one of his teas. Um, the one that I drank with my inimitable guest, Moses Hakmon, uh, was one of my favorite teas ever, which is, um, 2008's Often, which is a raw pour, which definitely was fuel for phenomenal conversation with my guests who I'm so excited to introduce you to. Moses is indescribable. He is like sort of walking water consciousness. Um, He's an artist, architect, um, photographer, and so many more things. And we had a very fluid conversation um, involving water and meaning and life and so many things that I will no longer um, continue rambling on in this intro. Um, So please, without further ado, here's Moses. So thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. It's a great day, way to start the day. It's a great way to start the day, yeah. I always think like a morning, late morning is a great, a very um, flexible and powerful time to start something or to really just to explore something. 
any any later in the day and then it gets a little yeah my my favorite hours are from six to nine mm. so I'm usually up mm-hmm. and between six and nine everyone are still either sleeping or waking up mm-hmm. so I have time to really just be you know between the dream state and the day that's when you can really channel clearly what is your experience of those hours really like like what what is six to nine for you when you say sort of dream state sort of awake state like it's before like your mind is not polluted yet with the day mm. so you're really clear you're yourself there's no thoughts so it's like three hours of meditation pretty much right but I use that time to uh, to either write draw usually in the garden mm-hmm. I, I garden all day until the sun sets so yeah it's the best time but yeah I mean now I know what I'm doing in a sense I, I didn't know what I was doing but it's kind of like I call it now channeling water so so I just have that space to let the water come through so when I first heard about what you're doing either directly through you or through a friend or through social media or through stumbling on something, some, some piece of media or piece of content. Um, probably your, your YouTube channel was called faces of water. Mm-hmm. Is it still the same name? Is it something different? Is it a different name? Is it, is it, um, faces of water is a specific, uh, technique. It's a photography technique. Mm-hmm that allows us to see water for the first time. So I think the first step for most people if when they come into this subject of water is to understand that they cannot see water. So that's really the first step. And, um, and most people have a knee-jerk reaction to it. They're like, oh yeah, I can see water. <laughs> what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but then, you know, now we're sitting in the air, in the atmosphere which is just water in low density. And we can see each other. And everyone agree that air is invisible. And then if me and you go scuba diving, we can still see each other. But now suddenly, air is visible. You see those bubbles of air. Bubbles, right. So at that moment, that's where I slap people in the face. I'm like, you realize what just happened. You know, air became visible, water became invisible. And so the reality is that both of them are invisible. The only thing we can see is the border between water and air, which looks like this shimmery mirror. Right. Either it's spherical or sometimes it's another yeah. shape. I mean, you can be underwater in a cave and there'll be a gathering of air above you and it just looks like a lake that is upside down. So, sorry, but the ocean is full of bacteria, dirt, debris, foam, bubbles, so you see that. But if, you, if you're in a really clear body of water, you won't see it. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a cube of ice that was two feet by two feet, and you couldn't see it. You saw through it as if it wasn't there. Wow. So it's all about how clear. You know, air can be dirty too, mm-hmm. and like a hurricane or a twister, you suddenly you see it, you see a form. Mm-hmm. So, so Faces of Water is about showing the true face of water, water in movement, 
um, that's the time that water will show you its true form. Because mm. otherwise it takes the form of the vessel. Right. So if you want to see the form of water, you have to see water moving in water. And that's, that's faces of water. And then through seeing water, which, was, which came after like maybe 10 years of research into um, consciousness, architecture of nature, that led me to water, and then to see water was kind of more of a gift. Mm. But, um, so something you stumbled upon, in a way. It was a gift. It was a gift. Yeah. It was too much to be... <laughs> to stumble upon <laughs> I was so shocked I was like no way come on no yeah. way. that's not possible so um, so I think once you treat water as a living being it will show you its true face and um, and then when you see it you can learn about it because then you have visual data to go off of that you can understand and form is informative form is informative so, you know, I can tell you everything I need to know about a person just by the form. Mm. Same about an animal, right? Like you have a shark or a dolphin. They're actually very similar. But the form immediately informs you of the intention behind them. Stay away, I mean, play. Even, even the way you suppose their intent. Like, oh, because this is a dolphin, I'm assuming a certain personality. Versus this is a shark, I'm assuming a different personality. Mm-hmm. which is either passed down through <laughs> genes and DNA or evolution, or maybe passed down through forced media narratives, you know, that kind of thing. You know, Flipper the Dolphin versus Jaws <laughs> the Shark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, movement in water is the beginning of life. Um, movement is character. So... In order to move, you have to have a reason. There's no, there's no, like, this glass will never move without somebody having the intention of drinking this tea. Right. This cup would have never been made without the intention of imbibing tea from it. Right. right. So the intention comes first, then follows a movement. That movement has a form. And through the form, you can tell the intention. You see, they're connected. It's mm. one thing. There's no separation between them. So, so that's why a movement in water that created a shark has that form. The movement in water that created the dolphin has that form. So a dolphin will never eat you. Right. Most sharks won't either. But, but there are just a few who maybe, yeah. But they do have a character. And that character comes from that intention. That, so, so anyway, there's infinite intentions, infinite characters, infinite forms. And that's all the animals you see around you. Mm-hmm. They're just the pure characters in consciousness. So to, when you're able to see the blueprint of those characters in water, you start to understand what movements are. right? Because we have social movements, political movements, music is movement. Everything is movement. Right. Sound is movement. Right. Yeah. So all you have to do is find the intention and the source of the movement. Mm-hmm. And how long, uh, how long ago did this gift come to you? This gift of seeing water in this way. 
Um, it was the year of the water snake, 2013. First day of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew something was going to happen, but I had no idea that. Are you a snake yourself? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So was my partner. And I have a tea. And the next time we drink tea, I actually have a year of the snake tea. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Great. So year of the snake. So a few years ago, about six years 2013. ago. 2013. That was specifically finding out about um, how to see water. Mm-hmm. But the journey started since I remember myself, which started around the age of 10. Mm. I don't remember much before that. So that kind of was a sharp beginning to my life in a way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, since then I've been on this journey of searching for the cause of movement in nature, in a sense. And doing it through different mediums as well. I mean... I always draw, mm-hmm. and my drawings are not that different from what I found in water. Mm-hmm. But I never knew what they were. As a, as a kid, I used to think... I didn't know what channeling was. So as a kid, I was convinced that there were like aliens drawing through me because mm. I knew that I wasn't drawing it. I could not ever reproduce what I made. Mm-hmm. Like if you told me, draw this, I can't. Mm-hmm. But if I sit down, put pay- pen on paper and I draw something, it comes out. And when I move back from it, I'm as shocked as you would be seeing mm-hmm. it. Just mm-hmm. like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> I can't do that. So that... That was uh, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to learn after the fact. Well, to, the learn, fact to learn in a sort of multi-timeline. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> a very faceted uh, way of experiencing time. Uh, yeah. Actually reminds me for a quick second about uh, this. Did you see this film from a few years ago, Arrival? Have you heard of it? I don't think I saw it. It was um, it was a film by uh, what's his name? I think uh, Villeneuve, Denis Denis Villeneuve. He did the the newer Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he made this film Arrival, which is about a uh, a linguist uh, who gets asked by the. Um, uh, the government to help um, translate um, language from another place in the galaxy because in the in the same moment these like 12 huge um, ships arrive at different locations across the globe mm-hmm. and um, and of course it, it's kind of it's a very uh, when I saw it and it really impacted me, it seemed like a very realistic portrayal. Of course, it was going to be like a military sort of defensive strategy that's going to be maintained. And then all the, the countries that are experiencing these ships are, are talking together until um, the you know there are people who are invited, uh, I don't know, uh, reconnaissance sort of groups who are invited into these ships at these particular uh points throughout the day to have a face-to-face conversation and the conversation with these beings these beings are called heptapods so they have like these seven tentacles they look kind of like uh they're reminiscent of like squid mm-hmm. or like those kind of an- anthropod is that the the type of anyway sounds like an octopus of something yeah yeah and um 
um, the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is because the uh, the linguist who's played by uh, Amy Adams um, does this she's I mean her role is amazing her character throughout the film uh, you don't realize it but she goes through time in such a different way and because that's because and you find out throughout the film I don't want to give the whole film away because I really Spoilers. think you should watch it <laughs> spoiler alert um, um, she realizes that through trying to communicate with the heptopods learning their language is actually learning how to experience time in a completely different way mm -hmm. so I don't know maybe that's a little seed to plant um, for you if you ever watch the film um, but it's interesting to hear that kind of um, what I would, would refer to the way I've experienced it is like future memory something I right. experienced as a child or as an adolescent or even like a couple of years ago that like was a flash forward to like you know six to eight years from that mm -hmm. moment those kinds of things I notice when I have my future memory it's I can almost not nail it to like, oh, this is like this many years ahead, but there's, I can realize once I, I meet that moment right. in the present, I'm like, oh, I remember that future memory flash from yeah. those years ago. And that, mm -hmm. that those years is kind of a, kind of a ballpark number. Yeah, no, that's very true. I have, I, I've seen it happen a lot. I have uh, sketchbooks where I write inventions. Mm. And over the years, I see them come into fruition. So I can always make a check mark of like, all right, this can happen. Like, you know. And so it's, um, but I think, I mean, the future is pretty subscribed. Like we, if you understand the master plan for life, I think it's easier for us to see that it's harder for most people to look back. And that's where they're puzzled about life is what happened in the past. So I've, I've been trying to mostly just put myself back there and see that moment, that time. Because people are so attached to words and writing of a certain time that they don't realize what was going on at that time. It doesn't necessarily reflect the present or has a lot of relevance to the present time. So you're saying that those words and things are really just mere artifacts of what was happening at that time. And it wasn't like... Yeah, I mean, a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it was relevant. It was really relevant to that moment of time, to those people and their experience. And whenever we take words and we write them down into a book, we kill it. Mm. We stop time. We, we basically take a bunch of people and we freeze them in time with that pattern of thinking instead of letting them keep evolving forward with the rest of us. So that's why I'm always against putting that down like you, you shouldn't write it down into stone you mean like right i shouldn't journal a memory or journal a happening or what is it what you... no i'm not talking in to your person uh -huh. i'm talking about let's say you come up with a theory mm -hmm. and the theory works really well for us now mm -hmm. and then somebody else was like oh we should write this down and have everyone follow it wrong right. wrong idea right <laughs> if you can't understand it verbally and apply it verbally at that moment there's definitely no reason to write it down and expect people in the future to try and, you know, it's like forcing people into something that doesn't apply to them at all. So I think things should remain away from... Yeah, because when you put it into words, you already dumb it down. And then when you write the words down, you completely ruined it. 
you know so so it's it's important to just have people in every generation to be able to talk it if you can't talk it you don't know it right and if you quote the book you definitely know nothing <laughs> you know nothing I mean I, I come across people that quote left and right yeah. and manipulate the words and and you just see that there's nobody there right there's nothing behind the if eyes you can't there explain or if you can't explain the theory in simple words you know nothing you just doing mathematics I wonder I mean the way that you're presenting this is is compelling and free flow and understand it and explain it and you know what I mean because I keep myself free from the data that is attached to it so um, if I see a person 10 years from now I will spot that person in a crowd of a thousand but I will not remember their name right because <laughs> that's the least important part but um, but I'll never forget their body language and demeanor and right. what they are right their movement in a sense mm-hmm so, um, so, yeah, so it's good to free your mind from that data. You can put it down on a hard drive, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it's the same, a book, a hard drive, it's the same thing as writing things down into a stone. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't attach to them and start quoting and memorizing. And, you know, um, yeah. There's something about that free flow, keeping your mind free. Just free. Well, yeah, I mean, memorization, retaining facts to be like a, like a hose, you know, like facts go in and then facts go out, right? Through memorization, testing, that kind of, those kinds of modalities. Yeah, I can't remember anything that was, let's say, like, if I think back about, like, my, I don't know, years in high school or years post-high school or even pre-high school. There was never any fact or something or information that was given to me through uh, whatever means that the te- that the, the teachers were were disseminating. Um, it was really just the personalities of the teachers or the friends or the experiences I had with friends. You know, learning to surf or playing music or your first kiss or that kind of thing. Those are the th- <laughs> those are the memories that um, will live with me forever. But like, yeah, things that I, information that I got from being in school. Yeah, especially so, you know, from researching to water, one of the things that I found out is that the brain is not a computer. Right. And people keep trying to force us to be computers in that sense and assuming that from the brain arises consciousness and it's just complexity of neurons and whatever. And that, that's nonsense. I mean, your whole body is conscious. Every single cell. It just, you have trillions of cells that live in singularity, which is you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole magic of this being. And any plant or animal, every single cell is conscious in that sense. And um, since we invented computers, it's just been this <laughs> insane... Um, attempt to compare the two and then the even more insane thought that once a computer gets um, complex enough it will gain consciousness which is a completely wrong and misleading idea 
um, computers will always be what we program them to be. Mm-hmm. So if people are afraid that computers one day or artificial intelligence one day will take over, it's only because that's what you designed them to do. Right. So all these people that run around like, oh my God, be careful, artificial intelligence. I'm like, don't be careful, just don't do <laughs> you know, what we should not do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it goes back to, you know, if countries are in tension and in war and they believe the theory of evolution that the strongest survive and blah, blah, blah. That's again, that's where we start with those problems with the theory of evolution, the idea that, um, that consciousness arises later in life and that that consciousness is what drives life. That brings us to that point of people thinking, I need to take over the other and by that save life or have life be the way that I think it should be. And that person will invent some form of weapon to take over. But once you do that, you design a weapon to take over life. And that includes you. You mm-hmm. just don't understand what you're doing at that moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. But we already invented nuclear weapons and we haven't destroyed ourselves yet. So hopefully, you know, it will be okay. But we just need to understand what we're doing. That's all. Mm-hmm. How does one come to terms with understanding what one does? When you realize what you are. So most people don't know what they are. And you can see that now. Identity is the biggest topic of conversation. Sure. Everyone are running around claiming to an identity. Right. <laughs> I'm this, I'm that. I'm, right. you know. I'm not this, I'm not that, yeah. And um, so, <laughs> so first of all, a human is just a vehicle. That's not your identity. Right. That's and then the word itself is just a name. You can call yourself Joe, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm Joe. Mm-hmm. Everyone is Joes. That's not identity. <laughs> <laughs> um, as an architect, it's easier for me to see structures in nature and what they are as far as architecture. So we're sitting now in a house, and. Um, you are mostly a body of water and you built this house and you live in this house. You're not the house. Right. Right? So your identity is not this house. Mm-hmm. Yet everyone runs around and saying, oh, I'm a modern house. I'm a craftsman's house. Mm-hmm. I'm a bungalow. I'm a, you know, like everyone mm-hmm. try to identify as the house. The color of the house, the shape of the house, the sex of the house, the gender of the house. You're not the house. Like, get over it. Mm-hmm. It's just separation. We're just creating more and more separation. Mm-hmm. I'm different from you because of this. I'm like, there's not two people that are the same. Everyone has a different fingerprint, mm-hmm. a different barcode. But you don't see, you know, like you don't see that in nature happening. So once we get over that, once we look at ourselves from a material point of view, Right. Go back to day one. There was just a rock and an ocean. No living structures yet. Just one. And then you look at that moment and you say, okay, what is active and what is passive? Because obviously the agency of life is active. It's making and building. And there's building blocks which are passive, like this house. This house, when you leave this house, you turn off the gas, the electricity, the water... And eventually it will crumble down to the ground. Mm -hmm. It will never 
come back to life without you mm. doing that, right? So there are passive materials in the world, universe, and there's active. So far, the only active one that I have found is water. Maybe there's others. Maybe a rock is active, but in a way that's so slow and so minimal that we can't even feel or see it. Right. So it doesn't really matter. Throw it just out of the equation. It has, uh, you know, some people, so society is divided to two. People that think everything came from matter and people that think everything came from consciousness. Right. So either everything is consciousness or everything is matter. Both of them are wrong. <laughs> Both of them. Mm-hmm. You have matter and you have consciousness. Mm-hmm. You have active and you have passive. You have an architect and you have a building block. That's the reality that li- we live in. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond that is beyond our perception. So when you really analyze nature down to those two ingredients, you find that water is active and minerals are passive. Mm-hmm. And they're just building blocks in the hands of water. So my identity as a conscious being is water. That's my identity. Mm-hmm. That's your identity. That's the identity of the tree, of the animals. That's what unites us all as one being on this planet. I also reject the idea of Mother Earth. There's no mother. Rock is not your mother. Forget about that. Mm-hmm. Your mother is water. There's only one mother. Mother water. Water gives life. Even your baby was still made in water. Mm. On land, in water. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's really magical too. Because people are like, well, is, does life come from the soul? Or the soul from like... Yeah, you were made inside of the soul, inside of the body of consciousness. Right. Like the water itself is the space in which you were created. That's science fact. It's not some kind of a made-up thing. If you can make a baby outside of water, good luck. Like, show me. Mm-hmm. But so far, nobody could do that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how I see identity. Identity of water. That's why me and you are equal, because the water in us is equal. I don't care about your architecture. Paint your house whatever color you want to, design it however you want to, modify it however you want to, have sex between different houses however you want to. Mm-hmm. I don't care. That's not your identity. Right. To flag those things as your identity is to make yourself so much less than what you are. Well, it's a form of like otherness, right? It's categorization. It's, it's fashion. That's right. It's just fashion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're very 90s or you're very 70s or very 60s. Right. Or now we're very 2000, whatever. It's fashion. Right. Comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But the water stays the same. Water has never changed. It's the only continuum in the universe. Water has never changed in billions. I mean, it, it even it's even silly to quantify like, t- you know, units of time, like billions, right? Billions of years. We don't know how old water is or where it came from. Is. So it may not even be... Because you can only date carbon. Right. There's no carbon in water, so right. you can't even date it. Um, you can burn it, and it will come back exactly to the same form. So it's also an infinite source of energy. Like, you can't destroy it. Right, from vapor back to... Right. There's nothing you can do to it, mm-hmm. right? So how is it not our identity of the soul? Like, the cycle of water on planet Earth is the cycle of the soul. What's more simple than that? Mm-hmm. It's scientifically proven. It's scientific fact. You know, if you... Nobody waits, you know, we, so we know the body... You know how the baby is made. It's 
basically bags of water. You know, like the beginning, the construction is made, and then it just pumps water in. Mm-hmm. The baby grows. Mm-hmm. But when we bury a person, we don't stick around to watch that. Mm-hmm. We assume, oh, the soul left the body. This is a dead body. Right, so you just kind of throw it away. We bury it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Keep it on the ground and watch it, and you'll watch life leave the body. Mm-hmm. It's very active. Mm-hmm. And you'll watch the water leave the body, and then if you believe in reincarnation or whatever, you see the body goes into the plants, animals, groundwater, river, ocean, cloud. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right there in front of your eyes, but we bury it. We bury that moment. We never see it. So, um, so it's all about seeing. Mm-hmm. If you know where to look. So I, I reject the idea that the soul is abstract. That's not scientific. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, water is abstract enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do, what's more abstract than water? What's more artistic <laughs> than water, really, if you think about yeah. it? Like, if you were into space, and I would be like, find me the one material that can represent the soul. Like, look around all the planets, all the... Yeah. Find the one thing that might be close to a soul. You know, it would be water. You'll come to Earth. I mean, given something like water that exists outside of time and outside of and beyond any construct of like shape and form, because it can assume many forms, many shapes. The only constant seems, as you say, seems to just be that water is active, is that it moves, right? Mm-hmm. It's inherently alive. It's inherently alive. And we sit here right now on a Thursday morning. Having a discussion with water in these forms, right? The forms of these vessels, this tea vessel and these cups and this teapot. And thinking about the story of these tea leaves, where they come from this part of China, like what kinds of, um, what kind of rainfall, what kind of soil consistency, what kind of, uh, history, what kind of soul goes into those tea, those tea plants. Um, how can people who convince themselves that they or who are just reacting let's say who people who are reacting to day-to-day stresses or stories or jobs or relationships or whatever it is you know whatever maybe ailment ailment that they may be experiencing or at least think that they're experiencing how can people um, appreciate a little bit more this kind of just the 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 wonder of water and this and this and, and with what you're talking about like how can people i hate to say distill it down to just appreciating it a bit more yeah i mean there's no escape from puns because most of our language is built around water sure it's all about that and uh yeah i've, <laughs> I've tried there's no escape but um when people see the invisible, 
it changes their lives. So when you see water for the first time, because right now people are born into a world that's very, um, doesn't have any magic. There's soil and there's water, and they're the same. There's just abundance of this material. You know, they, even in the dictionary somewhere, I read that water is like soil, mm. which is a crime. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so people are walking in a world where they don't know what a tree is. Mm-hmm. They don't know what an animal is. They don't know what they exactly are and how those things tie together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the source of the beginning of illness, mm-hmm. that separation. Separation leads to depression. You mean othering yourself from nature? Like, like the fact that somebody feels like they don't belong. Right. Loneliness is insane. Mm-hmm. You are inside of the whale. Mm-hmm. You're inside of the thing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're floating out in space by yourself. You cannot say I don't belong. Right. <laughs> right. So, so once you open their eyes to that flow of water between all beings, the equality of all beings, the connection between all beings, they start um, connecting in a way of, you know, um, some people do it through meditation or through different activities, but suddenly you realize there is more. There is real magic. There is real intelligence and consciousness and purpose um life is not random mutations of dna that's horrible to think that you're a mutation that has no purpose Hmm. and today many kids are you know they go to school and that's what they teach them and then no wonder they go killing themselves or others because why not this is all random. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. What does it matter? I'll get some fame. I'll be part of history. So what? I did. Like, there's no tr- truth. You know, they don't understand truth. And there is truth in water. So when you understand the purpose of water in the universe, you understand your purpose. And for water, for your soul to be active and productive in the universe it needs to remain liquid so our struggle in life is not between us and nature it's between us and space Mm -hmm. cold open space the cold empty space timeless space is our enemy not man versus nature space as in formless Freezing, freezing mainly. Contain containment, like there's no container. It's mainly about temperature. It's mainly about temperature. The okay. worst thing that can happen to us is another ice age. Okay, that's what we're constantly pushing against, right. and that's what we're trying to remain uh-huh. liquid. So our goal is to keep water independent in space, mm-hmm. first of all. And as life evolved, it realized that you know dinosaurs are not going to be able to do that. Bigger is not better. So human beings are the first invention in nature that is equal to single cells. We're just a bigger version of a single cell. And now you start collaging people like we collage single cells and creating bigger bodies. But those bodies can actually leave this place. Mm -hmm. I think we'll live forever and expand to the stars. Mm -hmm. That's where we're going. And if you don't think that way, you'll bring an end to life. 
Right, you're almost in a way subconsciously. You're designing the end. Designing the end, exactly. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if, you, if you're earthbound, you will never leave this place, right. and that's horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's my claustrophobia is that it's a, it's not one of a house or a country. It's of this earth. Right. Leaving this place is the first thing we need to do, and you see it with you know Elon Musk and Amazon and all those people. Look! Look what they're doing. The mm-hmm. first thing they're doing once they get some money in their hands, it's like, get the hell out of here. Mm. <laughs> you know, make sure that we survive mm-hmm. outside of this place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So we need to be humble and to understand that life is intelligent and conscious and has a plan. Water has been here for billions of years, so it knows the changes of the environment of this planet, and it changed life to adjust right adapt to the environment that's evolution so as we adapt to the environment we create things that help us save ourselves from the changes that are happening so we as a as people maybe have 200 years of recorded history of like climate and those things we're slowly catching up on what's really happening but it doesn't matter what you think we're doing what we need to do mm. It's not up to one person or, you know, we don't really care what you think. Mm-hmm. Life does what it needs to do. Mm. Human beings are not the center. They're a vehicle mm-hmm. to achieve a certain purpose. And the purpose is ensuring water's independence in space, ensuring water remains liquid. Even further than that, going to other planets and rescuing frozen water from them, from there, and bringing it back to the cycle of life. So... What is it, one of Saturn's or Jupiter's moons? Europa. Europa? Mm-hmm. Is this Saturn's moon? Or Jupiter's moon? Either one. Um, I know it's Europa. I know they have... Um, basically, they, have a they, or something. There's a, there's, they think there's liquid water under the ice. So the same people that worked on the Mars rover are working now on a mission to go over there and then find life if there's liquid water there will be life or at least water is life it's more about living structures there'll be architecture Mm -hmm. so if we and they suspect that even if they won't be able to get through the ice if there is any kind of living structures there they will be in the ice embedded you know like you'll find frozen bodies in the ice basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or evidence of those structures um it's not a big mystery, you know, if there's liquid water, there's architecture. And we know what architecture is possible. So if you know what the building blocks are, you know what water will do with it. So you can kind of know what you'll find. It just depends on how long water been, has been active. How long it had time to build up structures. I see. So the map of evolution is true. But the idea that it was random is not. So that's why I coined this term, evolution of creation. There's somebody making something, and it's making it better all the time. Right. So it's just not random. Um, The theory of evolution was changed over time to fit political agendas. Mm -hmm. Darwin believed in God when he created the theory of evolution, but um, when his daughter passed away, that's when he denounced God. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with his theory. Mm-hmm. It was his own emotional state you mm-hmm. know, and experience. Um, 
And and I don't use ever the word God. Like I don't think I think that word is too polluted nowadays and it's too personified to me. We need yeah. I mean water is the thing itself and that's it. That's where it starts and ends. Um it's easier to understand that you're a cup of water out of an infinite ocean of consciousness. That sounds like an Alan Watts thing, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like Watts, yeah. So there's a lot of people that describe it that way in many different type of words, like you're a drop in the ocean and there's an ocean in you and all. There's mm-hmm. many ways because they're all true. Mm-hmm. Everyone, when you realize that same truth, there's no other words to describe it. Those are the words. But, um, but right now, most people are stuck on either right or left. It's either evolution or religion. And I, keep, I always get those knee-jerk reactions from people. Mm-hmm. Like I never mention religion or stuff like that but immediately they'll be like so you believe in god like they're just worried i'm like are we facing a person that somehow is promoting a religion or this or that and like there's infinite amount of religions Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous to think that any one of them is the one Mm -hmm. or any you know actually religions are the proof that there is consciousness (laughs) so consciousness all over the world has experienced itself through different stories, different places, mm-hmm. right? And each place produces a story. Mm-hmm. And, and people just got attached to the story and that became a religion. But, um, you know, science of matter is only one science because matter has only one story. Right. But consciousness is what experiences. Right. And the experience is different in different places. It's like you don't have one recipe for bread. Because each place, you have different conditions. Each culture has a different, right? Every place, location. Different conditions, different, mm-hmm. right? So it's same for just like the different kind of breads you have is the different kinds of religions and stories that are told. Right. It's because there is somebody experiencing something. So, so you get those uh, scientists that say, oh, if religion was true, there would be only one. Just like for science, we have only one formula for one type of matter you know so they try to denounce <laughs> the idea then they don't realize they're doing the exact opposite right. they're just showing no your science of, of matter is true and is one story because it's not conscious why do we seem to have a we as in i guess uh, enough numbers of humans have a superiority complex where we want to other everyone else and say we are the best or we have the right religion or we have the right story is that an innate human thing or is it just is it a byproduct of the power of story this part most people will not understand or want to understand Mm -hmm. which is fine Um, the human story is actually what we call biology Mm mm-hmm and biology is actually the human story. The human story is nonsense. Like I said, humans are not the center of creation, are not the center of what's happening. Mm-hmm. They do what they need to do mm-hmm. in order to achieve a goal. To achieve that goal, you divide people to two and you get that yin and yang going. Right? It's a, it's a wheel of motivation mm-hmm. through the stories. The stories are not real. They're not true. It's all fiction. Right, it's fiction. It's construct, yeah. But that construct creates structure Mm -hmm. and and architecture, Mm -hmm. right? So like I said, you will achieve your goal whether you want to or not. There's only a small percent of people that 
are living outside of the story, of the human story. Mm-hmm. Very small percent. Mm-hmm. And that's the people that I talk to. Mm-hmm. People that live outside of the story are, are actually the only people that have a hard time finding themselves because they can see that it's nonsense and they refuse to belong to the right or the left. Mm-hmm. Your brain is divided to mm-hmm. two. You mm-hmm. know, it's like that's how society is divided to two. Everywhere you go, you'll find divisions of two. So right and left, male and female, and you dive into that, and that's divided into two, and you dive into that, that's divided into two. Like it's always, but that story is actually, we look at biology as automatic, right? It's all uh, reactions by design, right? Yeah. But actually, no, it will single cells are actually the conscious one. They're actually the one experiencing. They're actually the one living. And we are, and the human story is actually the automatic biology of life. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what's happening in that sense. But um, nature works on need-to-know basis. Somebody has to wash the dishes. Mm-hmm. If everyone knows everything, nobody will do anything. <laughs> this will be the end of humanity tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If everybody knew everything, right? Yeah. Interesting. Maybe the end tomorrow. Are you, just as a side note to this as well, not to tangent uh, at all, but um, are you familiar with any uh, works of Yuval Harari? Yuval Noah Harari? Have you I, heard of him? I heard guy? his name. I, I just, I don't read. Mm-hmm. I can't read. Mm-hmm. And I don't... Um, or maybe watched an a interview with him or a discussion or a debate with him. Um, no, I, I heard his you name heard his come name. up. Okay. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think I understand what he talks about, mm-hmm. or what most talk about, but um, I'm constantly in creation mm-hmm. and not in consumption. Right. So That's inspiring. Because um, I'm here, what, what you're saying, I'm hearing, I'm hearing um, echoes of things that I've heard him or read him say. Uh, because uh, as a historian and speaker, he like basically presents like the Homo sapien story. Like, <laughs> let's take the thousands of years, whatever hundreds of thousands of years. Here's a 400 page book. Just get over it. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. It's we're not. Yeah. It's not a big deal. But what he's saying that what he's what he's presenting, um, sort of time and again in every every conversation I hear from him, is. It's the power of myth and story that that makes humans um, um, collaborate together in large enough numbers to, as you say, create architecture, to create structure, right? Mm-hmm. To create societies, religions, mm-hmm. stories, right? The story of this religion is no different than the story of, like, Toyota. <laughs> Toyota exists. Right. Toyota is not a really a physical thing. Even the cars are made of, you know, whatever, carbons. Yeah. Uh, you know molecules and things but the the story of toyota yeah right exists because people believe in the myth of toyota so anyway yeah and and nothing we say is new or unique or you know there's there's truth and whoever touches that will say the same thing mm-hmm. and people have said that through the ages mm-hmm. it's just a matter of who can hear it and understand it and you might hear this conversation a few years from now and understand it completely different. Sure. And then hear it again. You know, it's it just... That's a kind of one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing this is because in, you know, 30 years from now, I want to hear it again and experience <laughs> it from a completely different timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you that you were mentioning a few minutes ago that really got my mind 
moving fermenting. and a, a fermenting in a fun way is um, when you were suggesting that, you know, people and whatever society, what, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing that we now call, you know, uh, climate change, global warming. It's something that we, we're responsible. We're co-responsible in doing this, mm-hmm. right? There are, there are natural weather patterns, right? Which all of the weather patterns are dictated by water, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> I guess something's being delivered. So <laughs> that's like the weather, or maybe that's the weather exactly. So, um. Yeah, that's one of the most controversial views I have because it doesn't fit within the current political right. place. Is is you know I we it's not a bad thing to melt ice. Water does not want or like to be ice because you're frozen in time. You're f- frozen from movement, and the funny thing is that you know we. Instead of saying, hey, rich people that live on the coast, you better go up to the mountain because the ocean is going to rise. We're trying to prevent that. <laughs> Good luck holding back the ocean. Right. You're going to get washed away in a minute. Right. So, again, it's understanding the purpose of life and the purpose is to not be ice. And melting to the ice. To not be contained, really, is another way of saying that. I mean, being ice is being frozen in time. Yeah. Time and temperature is the same thing. It's yeah. one unit. And um, imagine, I mean, that's the worst thing. Imagine being cold. Imagine being frozen in time, not being able to move. You're helpless. It's the worst thing for water. Mm. That's why so many planets are dead, because they're frozen, Mm. frozen in time. So there's the ideal state for water, which is liquid at a certain temperature. And then it's the most connected, active, productive. And that's the goal. Too hot or too cold doesn't work. Right. There's a certain temperature. And our bodies is that ideal state mm-hmm. for water. And that's why, in a sense, you can actually calculate. The ocean is trying to leave the ocean. To leave or to live? To leave the ocean. The ocean is trying to leave the ocean? Yeah. Okay. Water doesn't like salt mm-hmm. or to be cold. And if you follow the architecture of life, you see that it's constantly building structures that filter out the salt and create... Uh, temperature like thermal control like climate control right mm-hmm. so and the ideal situation ideal temperatures are bodies and you can calculate how many human bodies you can create out of the ocean mm-hmm. so you can actually know exactly how many people will hatch out of this egg in a sense you know and and one day that will happen all of humanity will be all of water will be housed the ocean is homeless water Human bodies are homes for water. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's like looking at homeless people and buildings. They, the intention is to build as many buildings for all people. Same for water. So water is constantly building structures and constantly trying to leave the ocean in every possible way. Mm-hmm. And that is the, in, in some way a goal for water. It just, I mean, uh, I hear that and I, I'm receiving it and it's like, it sounds, it sounds so simple when you think about it. Very simple. And it's also sounds so, so sort of mythical, right? And if you can take any stock and just like timelines, um, 
I realize now that my the parts other parts of my question were <laughs> were hilariously uh, distracted by the doorbell, but um, <laughs> and this tea is also like is a really great conductor of of you know moving of moving consciousness through my. Yeah, through I really my, enjoy it. It's a lovely, really lovely tea. Um, but um, yeah, given everyone's you know whether it's politicians and and governments and people and large groups of people who are very um, nervous and terrified of climate change and global warming um, and looking at like see that's happening that's because of us see that's happening that's because of us is there a kind of um, unspoken or unaddressed in a way like is um collaboration or like a like a like a symphony of you know maybe is water noticing as, or taking stock in the um you know sort of the industrial nature of of human nature and sort of doing doing this in collaboration with not not to say is there a nefarious or like a, oh let's speed some timeline up um, to f- as a means to an end. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking like, is water? I'm 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 aware that water is wise enough and conscious enough uh, to know that you know with existing water weather patterns or different movements of like you know, El Nino versus La Nina versus these unique weather patterns creating these storms or these fires or all these things. Is there some kind of a um? like a collaboration or some kind of um um well i mean there's nothing but collaboration right. there's no separation mm-hmm. so that's you know and and you in a way you still speak as if there's different agencies there's no separation yeah there's only collaboration and not even collaboration because there's no different entities to collaborate with there's only one body of consciousness one body of water one goal right to achieve that goal we create illusions of structure right that's how you achieve something out of nothing with illusions um now we need to always keep water clean healthy and the like pollution is a bigger issue than temperature right you know and 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 again that's where um i think you know whatever we are blinded to it's on a purpose to be blinded to it Right, as you say, the need to know. There's there's certain goals we need to achieve, and I think as the planet warms up, things fa- move faster. So we are speeding up the process to achieve a certain goal. So it is happening. Um, again, I think too many people will not understand that part because they're you know we we care we care about the environment we care about the nature we care about so it's hard to suddenly be like oh everything's fine no no you should believe what you believe and you should keep going in that way because there's a goal to it that you don't understand yet so it just you know it just the the only difference is that i don't have anxiety about it Mm -hmm. you know i mean that's the only difference Mm -hmm. so um political movements are based on emotional blackmail Mm -hmm. and if you're not emotionally blackmailed you're not controlled to move a certain place in mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. so so again we just don't need to be too 
moved by it. Mm-hmm. So some people will be emotionally blackmailed. Some people will feel anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. And it will cause them to do something in a certain way. That's how it works. Just remember, it's not real. So, <laughs> so I, I guess so we, yeah. if you care about water, you care about water. If you care about people, you're in the human story. Right. Right. Yeah. But there, but there really is no separation there. I mean, there's, there's, as you say, there's more focus. There's either focusing on the human or focusing on water. Look, I mean, most people, when you take away the struggle of life from them, they become really depressed. Yeah. You know, they're this vehicle that's designed to do a certain, you know, achieve a certain something and survive, supposedly, right? And, um, so yeah, you, you'll find like, you know, it's not, again, we're not here to be the psychiatrist of the world. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. here to achieve something in the physical universe and in the physical universe, an ice age, water being frozen again is the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. So whatever means it takes to get to worse than to warming, get. as you say, worse than getting too hot. Yeah, or from people feeling somewhat anxiety, you know. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah. So, so one of the goals that you're that you're that you're um, saying in this conversation that I've heard more than once, and it, it really is sounds really beautifully poetic, is the goal of water right now is to uh, stay in a liquid state in space. Exactly. And it's achieving that through... uh, You're the spaceship. You are the spaceship. Yeah, people are. When I go into space or when someone, an astronaut, goes into space. From day one, people were designed to leave this place. Mm -hmm. Think about it. It's the most ridiculous design for people to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, better be a monkey. Mm Mm-hmm. Why make these potato-like people? <laughs> you know, what are these things? <laughs> they're so ridiculous. So, they're designed to be inside of some kind of a. You know, we'll build a certain armor outside of us. Because mm-hmm. if you look at most, um, look at insects. Mm-hmm. Insects. Exoskeletons. Exactly. Right. So you're not complete yet. You're still the slug without the shell. Interesting. <laughs> you know. You're definitely <laughs> well in in, a, in an interesting way you know there are facets of of uh, that happening through through uh, biomimicry and technology or augmentation of the body body parts um, artificial limbs or artificial heart or, or even the devices that we use to sort of augment our mm, our experience on the planet, right? That's interesting to kind of yeah. draw a parallel there. If you want, for those that can understand this part, the, um, the goal is for the minimum amount of water to control the maximum amount of matter. That's what growth is. That's what nature does. Say that again. The minimum amount of water... To control the maximum amount of matter. Um, one of the first movies ever made were um, a brain inside of an aquarium controlling okay. the world. Uh-huh. So you could have one human brain control an entire planet. Mm-hmm. 
without any other liquid anything really mm-hmm. you know what I mean so um, why is that a goal that's part of how we can expand infinitely into space right and, yeah I see yeah because consciousness doesn't have a scale a fly is as conscious and intelligent as you are right there's no it's not about size mm-hmm And um, we just think that because something doesn't speak English, then it's not conscious. Right. Including people. Even though people that come back from a coma and tell you, oh, I've been conscious for those 12 years. And I remember everything that happened and heard everything that happened. I just could not, you know, so it, again, it's the, the spirit inside of a vehicle that, you know, the, the steering wheel was broken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if you're in your car and your car is broken down, at least you can call somebody and be like, hey, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. But with a human, it's a bit more difficult because you just lost that ability to communicate. Right. So we even call them vegetables. Right. Which just shows you exactly what vegetables are. Right. They're conscious beings that can't talk English. Right. That's all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're also, be- they're also vehicles of water, right? Oh, yeah. Every mm-hmm. vessel of water is a vessel Every of vessel consciousness. Of consciousness. Um, so, um, for the listeners, um, you know, whoever will be listening to this, even for us, years from now, listening back, can you um, tell me or tell us the exciting, uh, you know, the current moment, sort of paint a picture of the current moment of the Water Museum, as I understand it. The Water Museum, which is a structure that you've built in collaboration building. you're building with other people so um yeah, I always knew that some physical form because it, it just that's how I am I nest, I build things, mm-hmm. I create experiences that become the like how to transfer information so um the three entities right now are faces of water, channel water on YouTube and The water museum and the water museum will be the physical space where you know classrooms could come in and kind of have a journey through a structure where they learn and study about water and the idea is that you'll come in one thing and you'll leave something else mm-hmm. from the other end of it and just to start that flow of information and Um, I think that we can replace the motivation for life right now it's motivation out of fear to motivation out of well actually just motivation mm-hmm. from feeling that you belong this is something this is your purpose this is what you're part of um, so that's the goal I don't know if we'll succeed or not but that's the goal we might have to work out of fear forever I hope not But right now, the motivation for most people of life is, you know, not to get sick, not to be homeless, not to be out of work, not mm-hmm. to be out of money, not to be out of food. It all comes of fear and fear. Right. But when you truly understand your true identity, what you are, what the purpose is, um, then the motivation becomes just pure, you know, because most people, when they're born, they're born motivated and then they lose it. As life goes by they actually mm-hmm. lose that motivation that pure sense of that joy and life and being part of life and um, I was lucky enough not to lose that original initial motivation 
So that's what I'm trying to, because um, I think it works. I think it's possible. You know, you don't need religion to be good. It can just be good to be good. Mm-hmm. That's something that, that's you. That's who you are. That's your true self. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else is just trauma and bad parenting. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't go there. <laughs> that's another conversation entirely. Don't get me started. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the water museum. Mm-hmm. It will be the physical form of channel water in a sense. Mm-hmm. So those, those two will be, one will be broadcasting out to the world on the internet and the other one will be an actual physical. And I think that once we, um, so we just got the nonprofit approved for the water museum. Um, we'll do a year of fundraising now and then a year of renovation. We have already the building. And... Um, and I believe that once that building will be complete, I, I think every city and country will want a water museum because mm-hmm. they'll see the benefit of what it does to their people. Mm. I mean, everyone wants a motivated, productive society. Mm-hmm. It's good for business. Mm-hmm. And that's how they <laughs> operate. Right. There's it's all, good yeah. for business. You could argue it. there's an economic yeah. benefit to it. As you should. You know. Yeah. It moves things, right? It's a motivator. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being productive. Mm-hmm. Just as you were saying these things, I had one. <laughs> Is there ever one last question? But as you were talking about the internet, it suddenly um, dawned on me that the internet is kind of a metaphor for water, or at least like the movement of water. Mm-hmm. Not water itself, you know, but. The fact that there's a constant movement or dissemination of ideas or stories, but there's also like the divisiveness or the or the way that humans kind of naturally, you know, how else can I say? Want to like? Well, you can compare it in a sense to um, so the DNA in your body is made and used by water. Mm-hmm. And for people, that's the internet. Mm-hmm. That's our DNA, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that's where all the information, knowledge. Um, so just like any cell, if it has access to DNA, it has access to all the knowledge it needs, and it can make anything it needs to do. Same for you. You can be in the middle of the desert. If you have Wi-Fi connection, <laughs> you can get online and find out how to do certain things and build certain things, right? So um, that that's how the two correlate. So we're... Yeah, and and by the way, I think that for the people that think that everything is consciousness and abstract, um, just remember that when we journey, whether it's through meditation or different substances, um, the space you journey into, it's into being water. Mm -hmm. That's what it truly feels like and is to be water. It's that, it feels like it's all energy, but that's the wrong word. Energy is energy. Consciousness is consciousness, two different things. But it feels like that pure, ultimate connection of being one body of water. And, you know, water doesn't have the... It has eyes when it's in a bodysuit like ours, but water itself experiences the black open space and its electric connections and flow of information, which is exactly what you see. You know, you either see the water spiraling in front of you with everything, that liquid of point of life, or you dive in deep, even deeper and you're just in that pure consciousness, which, you know, we can see from any illustrations and things that people have tried to bring back and right. 
So that's that's where I think people have that um, mistaken idea that you get outside of your body. Right, out-of-body experiences. Yeah, you actually go in and connect to the trillions of cells that are connected to the DNA. And for that moment, you're connected to that DNA, to that infinite knowledge, all your past life, all the everything, right? It's a lot. It's overwhelming. But that's, that's where, where you come from. So one shouldn't be obsessed with going back there because you are going back there whether you want to or not. <laughs> While you're in this bodysuit... You start there and you end there. Yeah. yeah. Right now you're an astronaut mm-hmm. and you're disconnected from there. And we're trying to recreate that network out here in this level, in this scale, right? We're just scaling up life, that's all. Mm-hmm. Just taking what's there and scaling it up. So um, just to make it easier for people to understand why um, water is the space and the place where all that happens. Yeah, it's great. No, I mean, I love I love hearing it because it's another way, another um, new yet remembered way to relate to. Uh, you know, this experience, which I've been experiencing now for 10 years, which is something that I've been sharing with, with people. Um, and warm not, water is good, by the way. What's that? Warm. Warm water is good. It's really good. Yeah. And um, and and trying not to, to dirty it up with words or, or definitions. You know, this is this because of this, right? Or this tea ceremony is because of this. Or when you do tea ceremony, you feel or experience this. It's like I don't want I I don't want to to dirty it up with with language or descriptions or labels. But there's that kind of like void of narrative to just experience, as you say, for even if it's for a brief moment or for a trip or a voyage, to experience water consciousness because it's all that's this is entirely like a you know, one vehicle uh, for water that I've been just enamored with um, for so long, for long enough. Um, but obviously not long enough because I'm going to be doing it for as long as I can. Um, yeah, they're not really tea ceremonies, they're water ceremonies. They're water ceremonies. Yeah. And, um, you put certain intention into it, mm-hmm. attention to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you put it in your body, mm-hmm. so it 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 does something. And yeah, it's it's it is. Yeah. But now people can understand why. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an abstract mm-hmm. mumbo jumbo mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. It's the most scientific thing there is. Mm-hmm. It just water is the biggest unknown in science right now. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's tools to measure consciousness. That's why scientists are ridiculous to even talk about consciousness. Mm-hmm. They should never be allowed to, unless they show me the tool and measurements of, mm-hmm. you know, how do you even measure such things? Mm-hmm. There's art, philosophy, sociology, poetry, music. Like there's all those million things that are the measurement of consciousness. Mm-hmm. None of them involve inches and and temperature and Fahrenheit. Like 
There's no increments. Units of division or increments, yeah. right? I'm going to sit with that. I need to sit with that for, for a few <laughs> minutes. And I, oh my God, there's so many other things I want to talk to you about. And so for the next conversation. Uh, happy to come back anytime. Yeah. Or even at, or even at, at uh, you know, at the museum. We could even do one there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the next one we'll do. And we'll cross-section mm-hmm. Channel Water and uh, mm-hmm. what's the name of your podcast? This is called Wabi Sabi Podcast. Oh, yeah. Now mm-hmm. I remember it. Uh, yeah. Which is a, a really, I mean, it's, it's now a funny story in and of itself. You know, thinking you know, two years of like, I don't know what to call this thing. And I don't want to make it perfect. I'm not try- I'm, even though I have aspects of my cosmology that aims for perfection, even through this means, or this vehicle, because there's an order or a cycle to things. Um, I wanted to actually embrace the imperfection of it. So that's why I was like, well, for now, I'll just call it Wabi Sabi. And I love that. So, um, because it feels very, <laughs> feels very watery, um, and um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to, to getting feedback, uh, for this talk. So ways that people can find you, Channel Water on YouTube. That's the main place. That's I think. the main place. Yeah, um, because that's the most living. Um, that's constantly being updated. Right. All the information is constantly there. evolving. Yeah, because um, a website is kind of a. <laughs> well, it's kind of a. Think spir- of the past. It's a. It's a. Sta- it's a. It's more static. It's not so kinetic, right? Yeah. Um, so channel water. Yeah, on okay. YouTube. And uh, that's where we'll have updates about the museum, about faces of water. We always have exhibits and different lectures, poems, talks. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be doing tea there as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, people were like, "Hey, let's have you know do a monthly barbecue." I'm like, "I like the idea of tea ceremonies. <laughs> like have a, that's our form of barbecue." Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, excellent. Um, Amazing tea. Yeah, right. And especially right now, I'm just like, I'm my experience at this moment, given the absorbing all the the words and information and the it's just, i'm <clears throat> i'm kind of in a post language moment right now which be. is a, which is i it just you know again it's like water it's it is water consciousness mm-hmm. so thank you for coming thank and you. i look forward to the next conversation yeah i think we'll be very soon mm-hmm. i want to continue this mm-hmm. thank you hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did Looking forward to many more conversations with Moses. In the meantime, please go check out Channel Water on YouTube and subscribe to his videos. Um, you can also check out facesofwater.com for more info on his art, including the upcoming Water Museum here in Los Angeles. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And please leave a review if you're feeling it, as reviews help um, the podcast in terms of search results. Uh, Again, also check out Patreon. 
com forward slash Wabi Sabi podcast to consider supporting the podcast directly. And stay tuned for more episodes with more guests and some tea events that I will be doing here in Los Angeles. So more info on that will be at wabisabipodcast.xyz, which is the dedicated website for the show. Thanks again. Bye.